Welcome to Politics Then Right. Good morning, Vietnam. Oops. No, no, no. We are in Houston. Good morning, Houston. How are my peeps doing today? Anyway, folks, we're going to have a great show for you. This is Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. And in the studio today, we have the one and only Howard Reynolds. How are you doing this morning, Howard? Well, good morning, Egberto. I'm doing okay. I woke up with a pulse this morning. There was food in my refrigerator and the air conditioner was on. So I guess I'm going to be okay. In this very hot city, that's all you can ask for. Well, today we have our good friend that is out with a little bit kind of down on the weather. If you're listening, Jack, we give you all the positive affirmation that we have out there to say Get better quick, get better soon. We still want our message of the morning. And if you soak or if you happen to be up and listening, you can always call in and give your message of the day. Anyhow, you get better, my dear friend. You get better, my dear friend. Anyway, folks, we're going to have a great show for you today. As usual, you can always find what we're going to talk about at the newsletter. And that newsletter is found at politicsdoneright.com slash newsletter, politicsdoneright.com slash newsletter. We itemize all the things that we are, that we, that we planned to talk about. But if we don't get to it, you'll still be able to pull it up there and get to the videos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I much prefer, I'll be frank, I much prefer the, interaction the discussion with our callers so irrespective of what we have planned to provide please remember given that this stuff is out there for you to see anyway i'd like you to call 713-526-5738 again that number is 713-526-5738 the extension is extension number two Extensión número dos, siete uno tres cinco dos seis cinco siete tres ocho. Extension número dos, extension number two. Anyway, folks, we are going to have a great show for you today. Do remember, you can get this program either on air if you're on the dial right now. That is on KPFT ninety point one FM. Click that dial to ninety point one FM. You can also go and download the program. Tune in from the Android or Apple Store and search for KPFT and listen to us on your. Your cell phone, you can always go directly to our website, kpft.org, and click on that listen, kpft.org. Click on that listen, but you can watch us as well. You can watch us as well. And for those who uh, were watching when uh, we were in Chicago, you see that we were broadcasting, thanks to Howard and, and Jack in the studio, we were broadcasting from Chicago from a hotel room. But, you know, we got it done. We got it done. We got it done. You can watch the program at facebook.com slash KPFT Houston. And you can listen, watch, watch the show as well on YouTube by going to politicsdoneright.tv. Politicsdoneright.tv. So we are everywhere for you to find. We're even on Twitch and so forth. But for, you know, for the sake of KPFT right now, we're, we're giving those that are quick to get to. Don't forget, give us a call. 713-526-5738 extension number two topic of the day let me scroll up to it from the newsletter aft president randy weingarten on education uh i don't know if you know the largest teachers association the american federation of teachers uh she was with us in chicago and i got a chance to interview her mondale robinson mayor of uh, north carolina 
who also has the uh, formed the group uh, to find and encourage black men, both from rural areas, etc., where their undervote is humongous. He was explaining that 75% of them don't vote. Wow. And we also have a clip from Marjorie Taylor that I think the, the Biden administration has got to take and use it as, a, as an ad. Because these guys are so trastornados. That word means um, these guys are so kind of different in the mind that they don't understand that the things that they, they attack Biden for are the things that Americans want. The thing is, how do you remind Americans that, hey, guys, don't forget, you actually want this stuff, guys. You actually say you want this stuff. But anyway, we are going to have a great show for you folks. So um, uh, settle in and we are going to be ready to go. But before we go, I always do the thing and say, hey, Howard, is there anything you want to say before I get started? Oh, not a thing. Just waiting for your show to start. And waiting for the call. 713-526-5738. 713-526-5738. Extension. Extension number two. Here you go. There you go. 7135. <laughs> what did I say? 713-526-5738. Extension number two. Okay, got that right this time. Okay, let's go ahead and start with uh with uh Randy Weingarten and then we'll move it on from there. I'm honored to have Randy Weingarten here, president of the American Federation of Teachers. How are you doing today? I'm Welcome good. How are you? We're doing great. Thank Love God. To me, like you have a big, big job ahead of you. <laughs> with all that's going on, with people talking about CRT, people talking banning books, uh, teachers not getting what they're worth. Let's let's start the discussion first of all with where is this? What's the state of our educational system right now? So look, ninety percent of uh, parents send their kids to public schools. Right. So what that says is that public schools are really enduring and important institution in this country. Right. It's been pretty important and enduring since the start of the country. And ultimately, what we need to do is we need to make every public school a place where parents want to send their kids. Right. Educators want to work. And kids thrive. So that's our job. Mm -hmm. That's what we want to do. Now, there's a whole bunch of people who I think, like, the I shouldn't say a whole bunch of people. It's a pretty small minority, but they're pretty powerful, who saw in the midst of the pandemic mm -hmm. how important teachers were. Right. And, frankly, how important in-person learning was. Exactly. Not only to the kids and their parents, but to society. Right. So what's happened like near the tail end of the pandemic and since is that those people who've always hated public education, who want to destroy public education, who after Brown versus Board of Education, you know, opted to try to make to to segregate schools mm -hmm. as we were trying to integrate schools. Right. You know, they they're now they've been on this voucher kick mm -hmm. to defund and undermine public schools. And what they do is they try to create distrust. So what a shocker. Yeah. CRT. Right. We, we were told by the person who invented it. 
They did it to scare people. You know, I, I, there's I've played that clip many times over. Why is it that it that simply seemed to not register? That in effect, it was a it was always a ploy. Because I think what's happened, and whether and 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 I think it's starting to register now. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the clip itself, right? But this is the thing. Overwhelmingly. Parents want our kids to learn honest history. Right. And overwhelmingly, parents don't want banned books. Exactly. So I think what happened at the beginning when when Rufo started with CRT, right. when they started banning books, I think at the beginning, what they were weaponizing mm-hmm. was the anxiety that everybody had of being alone in the pandemic, the disconnection. The disconnection. The, exactly. And so I think what's happened now is when you see Two year, a year, two years later, people say, wait a second, of course we need to teach honest right, history. Right. Like, I mean, it's, I'm talking about the vast majority of Americans. Absolutely. I'm not talking about the white nationalists or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the vast majority of the Americans are like, what do you mean? You're banning a book? You're banning the poem that Amanda Gorman like ran? During the time of yeah. witches, right? Yeah. I mean, I think I think what we have to understand and is that the pandemic created such trauma and anxiety for mm-hmm. people. And it's not just the pandemic. It's gun violence. It's police violence. It's homelessness. Mm-hmm. It's this insecurity and uncertainty. I mean, think about the opioid crisis. There's a lot of uncertainty and anxiety in America. Right. And so the pandemic just exacerbated those inequalities. It exacerbated that anxiety. And I think it made it easier, fertile terrain Mm -hmm. for a demagogue to actually exploit that. Now, what can we do? Because I, I think this is important for me. I guess for me, it's easy to acknowledge that teachers are likely the most important profession. I mean, uh, our most important resources, most valuable resources are, are, are our kids. As such, the persons that we want to endear them to are well-paid professionals who can deal with kids. And we know voucherized uh, teachers, I don't want to disparage them. But they are lower paid and they have lesser requirements right. as teachers. Well, let's let's do this kind of thought experiment for yes. a second. Let's let's put aside the demonizers, the dividers, the culture warriors. Right. Let's put them aside for a second. Right. Because you know something? Right. They're always I mean, they're terrible they're right now. Here. They're always there. This is what I think we should be, or this is what I'm trying to do. I'm not, I'm not imposing this on anybody else. Right. You actually have to meet people's fears and meet people's needs where they are. Exactly. I mean, there's two things I learned as a school teacher. Right. One, you meet kids where they are. Right. And it's not what's said, it's what's heard. Exactly. So ah, those are the two exactly. things as a school teacher, those are the two kind of rules of the road that I went into every classroom with. So consequently, there is learning loss. There is mental health issues. Yes. So we need to, in education, we need to create safe and welcoming environments for kids. But we also need to really focus on the foundations, the basics. So 
literacy. We have to make sure the teachers are prepared to teach reading, including phonics. And, and have a joy of reading. That's why we've given out book, and we've given out one and a half million books in America in the last year. Because there has to be a joy of reading. But we also have to make sure the teachers know how to teach reading and have the preparation to do that. And 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 so that's really important. So how do we actually do that and help do that? Number two, let's make sure schools are fun. Like. I'm so tired of testing, 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 testing. Let's make also sure it's supposed to attend. Let's experiential learning, hands-on right. learning. Yeah. One of the best experiential learning things is career tech ed. And do you know the graduation rate of career tech ed? 94% of kids who are career tech ed graduate from high school. 70% of them go to college. Are those some of the concepts that they're using in Finland right now? Yes. And then they're using hands-on learning in right. Finland. There you learn practical skills. Right. But so... If we really focused on reading mm -hmm. and we really focused on hands-on learning and then we wrap services around schools so the schools really were lighthouses and anchors of the community. Think about what that would mean in terms of a powerful, powerful, not only vision, but effectuation of that vision in a community. So that's why when somebody then says, ban books, really? If you have everybody right. in a school reading together, what do you think the person who's going outside saying ban that book? You think they're going to get any residents? No, not at no. not under that. So that's why what I am doing. Yes, we have to fight the banning of books because right. the banning of books is the banning of knowledge. Right. We have to fight it. We have to fight for honest history. We have to fight to do that. Right. But my vision here is let's make schools the center of community. Right. Let's bring community in and let's do the things that we need to do to address learning loss, to address the anxiety, create safe and welcoming environments for our kids and our families and focus on things, you know, instructional things like experiential learning, practical skills and reading. Now, are you getting... How are you going to build that support? I mean, with, with, with such a force behind the negativity right now, how do you start to build that? So I, mean, I know you are doing a whole lot. You know, I watch you all over the place. You're working hard as hell to get this done. So what next else? week, so yeah. we got 2,000 teachers coming into Washington next week. Right. And I'm going to talk to them all about this mm -hmm. and this is how I think you do it mm -hmm. just like a politician does a campaign right let's do an education campaign I love real that. solutions for kids and communities I, I want to interrupt you on this right now I find that one of the biggest problems are the school board, the right wing school boards that are getting elected throughout the country who ultimately have control of teaching in the part in, in, I'm in Texas and I see what they're doing to a whole lot of districts in Texas uh, does that mean we also need to have some sort of a campaign towards parents? Yes, of course. I mean, uh, the, you can't do a campaign. Parents and teachers have to work together. Right. And frankly, when you have like what the NPR poll from a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago said, 78% of parents like or love their kids' teachers. Yeah. So overwhelmingly what we need to do is forget about ideology for a second. We need to bring people together over this basic set of values about let's care about the best interests of kids. 78 to 80% of people like their, their kids' teachers. It's almost like people like their particular politicians, but in the aggregate, 
they hate teachers. In the aggregate, not they hate teachers, but do you know what I mean? Right. In the aggregate, they think that teachers are somehow, uh, according to them, doing the wrong things for their kids. But each individual parent think their particular teacher is doing okay. Which and, actually tells a story. Right, exactly right. It tells a story of trust. Right. And it tells a story about the effect of 40 years, starting right. with Reagan, of undermining so, institutions. And yeah. your job as the leader of a one point five seven. One, oh, you got two hundred. Oh, we're, we're, we're growing. A 1.7 million uh, people organization is to change that. Now, I want to ask this question specific to Texas. Right. In Texas, we have two teachers that have a tendency in as much as the, the, the Republican-led system is against them. They continue many times in Texas to support these institutions. How do you get to those teachers well, I think what happens is we have to create this environment of can-do. I mean, look, I always say this. You can fight fiercely against something. And you can win that fight. And if you win that fight, you're in the same exact place as you started. I mean, it's great energy. It's a great, those are great fights. But we have to fight forward. And I think what's happened, you know, and we have, and I think what's happened is that people just give up and they feel like they need to conform. But frankly, we represent a whole lot of teachers in Texas. We're the largest union in Texas. And these, and I watched the valiant, valiant fight that teachers did last year to make sure that schools were not defunded. And, and that, and that governor in Texas, yeah. because he lost that fight, he didn't give one cent to the schools. They have a huge surplus. So think, think about the priority system right. that all they cared about was voucherizing and privatizing schools. And when they didn't get that, they wouldn't give their kids, 90% of who go to public schools, a dime. And we have to we have to tell those stories. I know they gave away eighteen billion dollars last year. Eighteen billion dollars of that thirty billion dollars went to went to home, not homeowners, but business homeowners and business owners and to reduce the taxes Because what's happening is that because they wouldn't give do any of this stuff, schools raise taxes themselves. But this is but 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 we need to this is a race Look, the teachers in America are amazing, and the kids in America are amazing, and the parents in America really just want to have good lives for their kids. We need to find ways that we align in terms of public schools, regardless of ideology. That's what we used to do before the privatizers tried to divide and divide. That's what we used to do before education became so political and 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 in this race between hope and fear we are leaning into hope thank you Randy Weingarten thanks so much let me tell you I've watched all the work that you've done please keep doing it thank you you too thank you my friend thank you well folks I hope you enjoyed that she is the president of that Huge Teachers Association, the American Federation of Teachers. Uh, Eric says that her Reagan comments were political. Her Reagan comments were not political, Eric. 
her Reagan comments were simply the truth. Uh, if the truth hits somebody politically, it's not a political attack. It is nothing but the truth. Let's go ahead and bring Augie into the conversation. Augie, how are you doing this morning, my friend? Okay, another uh, listening to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, education has been going downhill under the Republicans, it seems like, where they give uh, charter schools, what they call charter schools, private schools, all this money. And if anybody reads the newspaper nowadays, two years in a row in September, uh, there are two private schools. On the first day of school, there was a piece of paper on the door telling their employees that they hired the teachers and staff that hopefully they can find a job. And the parents, when they came up there, it said, parents hope you can, your students can, uh, your children can find a school to go to because they took the money from Abbott and the Republicans, built the school, hired staff, enrolled students. And then they went to the Caribbean <laughs> with yeah. all that money that was left over. And, Listen. Uh, no. So they're giving let, money without any, any penalties, and it was legal what they did. Take the money and run. And I was on the front page of the Houston Chronicle two Septembers in a row. And, and that's the same thing that they did with uh, ERCOT. Gave them a bunch of money without any penalties, and they could do whatever they want. But instead of winterizing the equipment, they spent it on themselves, on the, on the executives. So all that, you know, it's you know, their their turn up our society. And let me tell you something, Augie. Augie, here's the the thing: the the policies of uh, these neoliberals, Republicans, etc., is to monetize everything, whether it's the commons or whatever. And let me explain that in, in detail. Every, every service that the government provides or that we expect the government to provide, they figure out a way that they can privatize and privatizing a, a process that is best done by the government is done to make a profit. So when you talk about private schools, it's about building schools at the cheap, on the cheap, hiring people on the cheap, and and pocketing whatever you can spare, uh, whatever is left over. And that's what they do. It's about using all forms to make money off of the federal system. And then <laughs> it's amazing because these are the same people who look at the poor person who needs a few, a few dollars of food stamps and call them parasites and call them all these things. But then they rob legally, as you mentioned before, they rob legally. You know, they, they get a stipend to do a project. And if they do that project efficiently, they get the money, they, whatever money is left over, they keep. Well, efficiency means things like in healthcare, telling you, you can't, you're denied the coverage that you need. You're denied the service. You're denied the medicine. You're denied the doctor visit. That's what uh, making a profit in uh, the health insurance industry is. Uh, building a school and not paying teachers a living wage. That's how 
the, the guy who runs the school make the profit. I mean, and we do this over and over with all these different services that government should provide and where profit shouldn't be made. But we do it, Augie. And what we have to do, though, is uh, inform the population because a lot of folks don't know that. They, they fall for the belief that private schools are better than public schools. That's not true. The test and proofs that private schools are not better than public schools. Are there bad public schools? You bet your life they're horrendous uh, public schools. I did some work at two elementary schools where they, they brought in folks from the outside to try to t- teach and uplift the kids. I did that for a while, and I was able to see, wow, yes, there are bad schools. And, and where do the bad schools tend to be? In the poorer areas. So that's what, that's what we're looking at. You have an area that's – have – moderately uh, price homes. Oh, it's, it does very well there. So uh, a lot of stuff that Randy is working on and that she says she's working on is to, it's to provide the, the blueprint for having a public school system that really, really works. We don't have one. There's a reason we don't have one. And it's because those who control our government at this point in our history, they simply believe in throwing, uh, in privatizing and making money off your back. Anything else, Augie, before I go to tag? Well, well yeah, like HISD under this new uh, guy from Dallas, uh, his thing is he's going to go fire teachers and administration. And that happened to HISD once before. Right. So were teachers and worked in administration. They were defunded uh, so the private schools could get the money. And good teachers that liked the job, they weren't expecting to be laid off. They were hoping to stay a few more years, but they got retired earlier well, than they Well, you know, Augie, Augie, it's the same story again that we, but again, we have options. Our first option in Texas is to vote, as, as Howard would say, vote the bombs out because they don't care about you or me or any of our listeners right now, if you think these guys that many have voted for into Congress care about you, ask about your health care. Ask what have they really done to make your lives better. You know what? Progressives know what to do. And they've done it. Take a look at what's occurring in Minnesota. Minnesota had a one-vote majority to get things done. And if you look at the list of things that they've done to actually help human beings, help Minnesotans, it's a utopia of, or of, of, uh, it's a utopia of bills that really makes lives better for people. I want you to check out the Minnesota story. I'm going to do a piece on that uh, sometime in the near term. But anyway, Augie, thank you so kindly for calling. And let's go ahead and go to Tag. Tag, come on in, my dear friend. Tag, you're on. Good morning, Edberto. Uh, did you hear the uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene? Uh, oh, don't, don't, don't cheat! Don't cheat! I have it for all our audience today, brother. I have it for our audience, and you know what? Since you brought it up, let me tell you what I'm going to do. Tag. Since you brought it up, I am going to play it. Is that good for you? Well, let me say one thing real quick, and then I'll hold if you want to talk afterwards. But the, well, the, no, let's yeah. let's talk now because after I do the uh, Marjorie Taylor, I'm going to play the uh, the Mondale Robinson. But go ahead. 
one thing I realized through this whole thing is that when when you look at what uh, Johnson, President Johnson did, or what Roosevelt did, those those programs were long term, 25, 50, 75 years that the society would see benefits from that, from those programs being enacted. And, you know, I paid Social Security my whole life. I'm damn glad I did now. It wasn't it wasn't really easy to pay Social Security all those years. It wasn't bad. But, you know, now I'm getting the benefits of that because I got health insurance and, and some money coming in every month. But the fact is, is that what I hear from Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and a lot of these other people, they want that sugar high from the economy. They want the money right now. And and I was talking to a Republican the other day, and he said, boy, things were so great under Trump because the stock market went way up and we made all kinds of money. So then I talked to my mom about that. My mom says, well, yeah, we made money too. But the thing is, is that all that money evaporated once Trump was gone. The stock market gains under Trump did not last. And I think that's the difference between what uh, Roosevelt and what Johnson has done and what happens otherwise. And people see that short-term game and, gain and think it's great, but they don't look at the long term. So. But uh, I, I, want, I want to dispel – hold on a second, Tag. I want to dispel a fallacy. Anyone who thinks the stock market did better under uh, Trump than under Obama had not read the charts. Uh, it's important for us not to buy into the things that Trump said. He likes to say he had the best economy. His economy compared to other presidents was at best mediocre, was at best mediocre. It was, you know, what we have to stop. And, you know, uh, Howard and I was talking about that earlier. Uh, saying something uh, doesn't make it so. Just saying I had the best economy doesn't make it so. I've shown many charts on both this program and my, my uh, three o'clock program that the Trump economy was not really the fallacy that everybody hears. Oh, it's gr a great economy. The economy was no better. It was actually much worse than it was under President Obama, under President uh, Clinton, even under President Reagan. Oh, uh, the, the, uh, Trump's economy is was never real. He just touted it. And by touting it, a lot of people just believe what they hear. It was not so. So let's not fall in. You know, I, I hear people, I, some people, smart people. I would be in the coffee shop and I'm like, but tell, explain to me why is it that you think, why you voted for Trump and why do you say you would vote for Trump again? Well, I don't like the guy, but the economy really performed under Trump. That's a lie. It's not true. The, even under Biden, this is one of the best performing economies bar none, even with inflation under Biden. And it's all in the charts. And the reason Biden's numbers doesn't show that under his tutelage, the economy is doing fine is because the lousiest people at marketing is are, are Democrats. Democrats are lousy at marketing. Progressives are lousy at marketing. I am lousy at marketing. But Republicans are great. They are great. They can make evil look like a positive influence. And that's what we're talking about. Anyway, Tag, let me play the video. On, like, if you have one short thing to say, I'll, I'll go to the next subject.
one more quick thing is that there's a big difference between how the economy is doing or how the stock market's doing and the people who's invested in the stock market. And and the, the people who invested in the stock market, they realize a great gain under Trump because of the economic policies that that Biden, or that Obama had put into place, and they they think that it, they were getting a return on what Trump did. No, it was like you say, it was under Obama. But the fact is, is that Republicans want a sugar high out of the economy all the time. Right they want that now, and they don't care what happens down the road. And when you look at, like I said, like FDR for example, you know he put plans in for fifty, seventy five years to help build our country and not just a sugar high that, that right. we get from the other party. So thank, thank you. you. I'm going to go. Thank you very much, Tag. Uh, great guy. Uh, I, I want uh, Tag says something that we need to expand on that sugar high. Uh, what makes an economy vibrant is putting in policies that are affected over decades, as Tag just indicated. You don't get the sugar high. But the thing about it is even in, in, during the Obama administration, if you take a look at the performance of the stock market, again, Trump did not beat it. Even with the good policies, well, the, the good policies that Obama had or the good policies that others have had, I, I wish we had even better policies. But I guess we all have to move to Minnesota if we want to see that. But anyhow, folks, um, I want to address uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Here's the thing. You know that a party is sick. You know a party is defunct. A party has a, a moral, it's morally defunct. If the attack that they're going to make on you is because the things that you did or the things that you want to do help people, help the masses, make the lives of most much better. I want the president's administration to play this clip over and over and over and over again. Marjorie Taylor, Marjorie Green Taylor and her cabal, the Republican Party in the leadership, believes that President Biden is in the order is on the same order of Johnson and FDR. Who wants to create a great society or to help people or to make people have a two-car garage and a chicken in the pot? And he wants to make their lives better. And you know what Marjorie Taylor said? That's not good. We need to get him out of there because he's trying to make your life better. Remember, in contrast, what even here our governor is doing Things to make your life better. Do you, I mean, to make life worse. Do you have a friend who is sick, who has no health care? Blame your governor because the health care is there. Health care is there if they, if they would accept the Medicare expansion to the Affordable Care Act. Do you want better schools? Do you want better teachers? You know what? He says no because he refuses, as uh, Randy Weingarten said, to give more money to the schools where they can actually provide better services if they were better capitalized. But would they do that? No, but he will give all these things away to the industries, the industries that are more parasitic than doing fine for anyone else. So let's hear what, let's hear what MTG, what Marjorie Taylor Greene thinks uh, is bad with the Biden administration. And 
if you don't see this, would be concerning. Check this out. While speaking at the conservative Turning Point Action Conference yesterday, Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia warned that President Biden wants to address issues like education, medical care, and rural poverty. Take a look. Lyndon B. Johnson is very similar to Joe Biden. How are they the same? They're both Democrat socialists. Lyndon B. Johnson was the majority leader in the Senate. Does that sound familiar? He was vice president to Kennedy. Joe was vice president to Obama. He was appointed as the president after JFK was assassinated. Then he was elected. His big socialist programs were the Great Society. The Great Society were big government programs to address education, medical care, urban problems, rural poverty, transportation, Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, and welfare, the Office of Economic Opportunity, and big labor and labor unions. Now, LBJ had the Great Society, but Joe Biden had Build Back Better, and he still is working on it. The largest public investment in social infrastructure and environmental programs that is actually finishing what FDR started that LBJ expanded on, and Joe Biden is attempting to complete. So, Reverend Al Sharpton, that sound you're hearing is the White House thanking Marjorie Taylor Greene for the campaign commercial. Let's remember, of course, that in their first months in office, they eagerly embraced the Lyndon Johnson comparisons. The Great Society is what they were shooting for. They're trying to be the most transformative legislative uh, presidency since then, those first two years when they had the Democrats in control uh, in the House and the Senate. That sounds like, I think for most Democrats, that's music to their ears. I, I was waiting on the attack. I mean, she said all of that and I was waiting for, and what do you object to? She left out the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. And she forgot to say that Lyndon Johnson uh, defeated Barry Goldwater in one of the biggest landslides in presidential history in this country. But, and, and that Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump. He didn't inherit this from the assassination of his predecessor, but we won't let facts get in her way. I think never that before. if I were the Democratic Party leadership or the Biden people, I would take that clip and run it all over the country because the things she's saying that Biden stands for and LBJ and FDR stood for are the things most Americans want and many are living on right now. You're going to attack Medicare? I mean... I see now why they put out of the Freedom Caucus, because now she's in a caucus of our own, and it's not a very wise caucus. And it is not a very wise caucus, that caucus of one. Look, I when when I saw that, and I just saw the I saw her face on the screen before I heard the preamble, and I saw that and I'm like, oh my God, this woman is making an ad. And it's the same thing that turned out the guy had said. Uh, she's making an ad that says, you know, and, and I always wonder about that. You know, we have so many people out there always saying, we don't want big government. We don't want this. In, in a, in, implying, of course, you want big corporations and big otherwise. And if you have those things, you know, the corporations, uh, their, their fiduciary responsibility, the people that they owe, the people that they have to make whole, the people that they must do good things for are the shareholders. And the executives, the profits that the executives make, they have no, they, by, by, by corporate rule, they have nothing that they owe 
to you or me or anyone else. It's they must do whatever they must do to maximize the value of that company so that the shareholders can get as much return on their investment. That is the business model of America. So when Marjorie uh, uh, Taylor Greene goes out there and says, well, and what Biden wants to do is take some of that back to make sure that you are whole, to make sure that things work right for you. In effect, she's saying, why are you going to support a party that wants to support you? Why not support those who want to extract from you, be parasitic to you? Well, folks, there you go. It, you, you, when your mind is so messed up that folks are, who are trying to make your lives better, you're shunning them. And those who continue to paralyze you, to harm you, somehow they get the spoils. Folks, we got to do better than that. Let's inform ourselves. Let's not allow others to snow us. I, 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 look, before I go to the last video, which is 14 minutes, let me just say, if you want to call 713-526-5738, 713-526-5738, extension number two. I'm going to hold off with the video for about 30 seconds to see if anybody wants to call in because this last video is going to take us right up to the end. And if, I, if, I, if people call in and want to discuss other things, I'll prefer to do that. They can always go to the newsletter to see the last video. But if I don't get any calls in the next 30 seconds, I will go ahead and play that 14-minute video, which is a, another interview I did in Chicago at, uh, with Mondale Robinson. Uh, so anyway, we got 20 seconds before I start that video, unless a call come in. 713-526-5738, extension number 2. 713-526-5738. 713-526-5738, numero dos. Okay. We're going to go ahead and give you Mondale Robinson right now, and then we'll close the shout out after that. Let's go and get busy ahorita mismo. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. Hey, folks, when I talk about the activists of activists, I'm, I'm not being overblown. Um, uh, we're here with Mondale Robinson. Mondale. How you doing brother. today, my brother? Yes. Great to have you here. It's, you know? good. it's good to be back. It's good. To, I owe you this. I'm, yeah. I'm behind. Actually, yeah, you stood me up the last net roots, man. I'm hurt. Charge it to my head, not my heart. Okay, I know it's not uh, your heart. I know it's not your heart. <laughs> anyway, look here. You've been doing a lot of great things. You have a new organization. Well, it's not new anymore, but no. you have an organization that's yeah. really getting voters engaged. Talk to me a little bit about it. Yeah, man. Um, You know, uh, Black Male Voter Project, we're going into our fifth election cycle right now. Mm -hmm. So she's no longer a baby. I know. She's I a no, she's a kindergartner exactly now. Exactly right. And uh, like kindergartners, she's learning so much more about black men specifically. Uh, what we know uh, let, let me stop you right ahead. there. Ahead, Why sure. do you have to centralize on black men? We know we have yeah. a voter issue around, yeah. but there's something specific about black men yeah. that you got to centralize. Talk about it. Yeah, it's, it's the lack of uh, prioritization from the party auxiliaries and, and and frankly any organizations doing this work how is it 2023 and we're the only national organization talking to black men which is the second largest 
base voter mm-hmm. for our for people that believe in progressive now, there ideas. Are some, there are some people that would say, mm-hmm. well, you know, we think, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the same all life matter kind of folks yeah. that says, why do we need to go ahead and segment or create an identity that we somehow have to treat black men differently in the voting process? Yeah. Explain exactly why that is a must, especially given our history. Yeah, I mean, listen. First of all, black men were the first guinea pigs for voter suppression. The 15th Amendment started what would right. become what we suffer from right now. And also it matters that to be black man in America is unique, unique in a way that is horrible. Black men suffer the worst social markers of any demographic in this country. We have the shortest lives, the worst uh, economic outcomes. We're more likely, more likely to be killed or targeted by police officers and also school and the prison justice system is not working for us. So to be black men and not see your issues prioritized by a party that says they're speaking on your behalf is the absolute reason why Black Male Voter Project exists. It is interesting because I always talk to folks, you know, folks would always talk about identity politics. We need to get away from identity politics. I said we can only get away from identity politics. We only can get away from women's issues, men issues, black men issues, etc. when identities don't matter. And at this point in our history, identity matters. Expand on that. Yeah, I mean, getting away from identity politics sounds like a talking point for Republicans. Right. Uh, It's the idea that you don't need to be woke. Right. anti-woke mob or the woke mob, whatever they want to call us. Think about that in terms who right. wants to walk around sleep? Right. What are you trying to hide from me? What do I need not know for you to, to suffer from your politics? So this idea that you don't need to talk about identities is to say that I don't need to say what's really ailing me. I don't, I don't need to talk about what's killing my communities. That to me goes against everything I stand for, not just politically but religiously. I, I, I serve a Jesus that was a minority Jew born under Roman occupation, Mm -hmm. who was bilingual, who said what you do for the most or the least, and also what you don't do for them, you're speaking to my policies. So the idea that for me to not talk about identity politics is to go against my God. And I can't do that. Exactly right. Now, let, let's go deep now into your organization. Tell me what, first of all, what are you doing? What's your approach? How are you getting to these people, not only in the urban areas and the cities, but also in rural areas across yeah. the country? I think what happens is, uh, this is, I'm glad you asked about rural area too, because a lot of the time people think about black men as the thug right. in, in, in the suburban, right? In this, in in this the urban, ur- urban areas, areas right? Yeah. Big cities. But in actuality, black people are overrepresented in rural spaces especially in the South. Black people represent 30% of the rural population in Southern states. Right. Nationally, we are only about 13% 13%. of the population. So that means we're overrepresented in rural spaces. So uh, the idea that we have a program that does not speak to rural spaces would be incomplete anyway. But our program is a year-round program that does not focus on traditional methods or Candidate work. So let me let me stop you for mm-hmm. a second. Does that mean you are not dependent on the even though you've been around for five election mm-hmm. cycles, you make sure unlike uh, what, let's say, the, the parties do, mm-hmm. you don't only try to contact your folks during an election cycle yeah. but throughout the year. Yeah, I think that transactional nature of campaigns, like calling people two months before an election right. to talk about how important this election is, mm-hmm. how important this candidate is, this candidate can save your life, does not ring true with black men. There's never been a candidate on an right. election that saved black men. This is why we feel 
find ourselves where we are right now. So we know if we're going to be trusted messengers for this demographic, then we have to show up every day. So we knock all year round. We also have programs that are built to mimic the lived experience of black men. It's called Brother Be Voting, mm -hmm. which is our focus group. We don't let cameras in there. They're not. It's not like an overt political conversation. We only let three political people in and the other 74 are brothers who are gang member drug dealers who don't vote at all mm -hmm. or vote sporadically. Because I feel like if we're going to expand the electorate, we don't need to worry about voter registration with black men. Right. We don't have a voter registration. We don't have a clientele problem. Mm -hmm. We have a product problem. People aren't buying the Democratic product, mm -hmm. right? 72% of the black men that are registered in this country right now either did not vote or only voted in one of Isn't the last three elections. Listen to me. 73% of black men that are registered to vote in this country is rejecting our politics. 73% said, I'm not voting or I've only voted in one election. These are brothers wow. who are already registered. Yeah. So don't talk to me about voter registration mm -hmm. when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing with this demographic. Registered. And yeah, and people should know this is not a critique of black men because we know that every time a demographic increase in its participation in the election, it's because they spent more resources mm -hmm. on them. So when you see black men being more likely to be non-voters or one election voters than they are two elections or, or super voters, then that's a critique of the model that you're running, that transactional nature that you're talking yes. about, where you show up after Labor Day telling me how important this election is when you're not doing anything, when the police are killing my brothers and my family members. You know something, Mondale, you hit on something. I, I've been concerned watching how many, let's say, black men starting to jump on the Trump bandwagon. It's not many. And I know it's not many. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make it right. many, but right. I'm saying that, that any would. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Any would. Yeah. Right. Believe it or not, speaks to what you're saying. Yeah. It has been transactional. And somebody says, well, I've tried this. I've tried that. I've tried that. What the hell? Let me just try something I, else. And I mean, like, and I, I mean, so the, the, the beautiful part of it is black men aren't growing their support for Republicans. Right. Mm -hmm. There's always since the switch in the 60s. Mm -hmm. Right. Since. Uh, Explain that because a lot of people. Yeah. Have, you, you know, one of the, the selling points and yeah. the parties is like, hey, remember, the Republican Party is the ones who signed the Emancipation Proclamation yeah. and the Democratic yeah. Party is the one who yeah. was into segregation back yeah. in the... Explain to yeah. folks why that is a silly argument. It's a silly argument because of the same reason Ronald Reagan was a Republican. Let me explain what I'm talking about. In the 60s, it was a woman. It was a lot of people. Yes, yes. But, but let's be clear. It was the work of a Southern black woman. Right. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. Of course. Okay. That said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and yes, tired. I, I know. Yeah. Right. And she she argued and made the Democratic Party seat black people at the 1968 convention. Right. Right. And when black people got seated by the Democratic Party, all the racist white Democrats left, left the party and formed, and formed the Republicans, the, the Dixiecrats oh, and the new Republicans. Right. One of those one of those Democrats that left the party that year was Ronald Reagan. Right. Right. Oh, wait, I, believe exactly. I didn't know that. Exactly. It was Ronald Reagan. Maybe right? that's why he started his campaign the way he did. And, and that's exactly why. Yeah. He went to Mississippi. Right. To Philadelphia, Mississippi, right. to send a point to white racists that well, hey, I just I'm with you. Mandela. I didn't know Reagan was a part of that cabal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Reagan, Strong, Thurmond, all of them. So what happened is this 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 idea that Lincoln Republicans, Lincoln Republicans are now Democrats. Mm -hmm. So people that mixture. So I, I literally just screamed at Jesse Waters on Fox about this. Mm -hmm. Like, you out of your mind? Your Republican Party is not the party of Lincoln. Exactly. You're not the party of Lincoln. That's almost like me saying. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm the same as, I'm the same as Frederick Douglass. Exactly. I'm not Frederick Douglass. Right, right. Right. 
I would have never went to the Haynes administration. Right. I would have never talked about black people not needing education. Right. right? right. That would have been my stance. So people need to understand that history matters for a lot of reasons. I'm especially. glad you brought that up. I, I am so glad yeah. because that is almost blasphemy. In, in, it is. In, in some, it, it is some blasphemy. Black, in some black environments, that it would is. be blasphemy. It is, it is absolutely. Anybody that understands black history, it's almost like saying, I'm the one that freed you, but also, check this out. Yeah. Check this out. I'm the one that freed you from slavery, but then you discount the fact that in the 60s, you're the one that said I shouldn't be able to vote. Exactly. You're the one that said I should be killed for talking to or competing with white I people. I want to say something here to the audience. Let me tell you something, guys. One of the reasons it's important to hear all perspectives, right, is because even things, you learn the myth about Frederick Douglass, you learn the myth about Ronald Reagan, you learn the myth about all these things. When you have folks that are, are not distilled by the history that been anesthetized or sanitize that you get in, in school, it's the best way. Yeah. I learned something today. Yeah. Continue, Bundel. Yeah, so I mean, listen, uh, talking to your audience, I would, I would challenge all of y'all to stop thinking of the United Daughters of Confederates as the women who made the monuments, all these Confederate monuments right. get put up. And think about what they did to our education. Right. If you dive into the United Daughters of Confederacy and see what they did to Southern education, how they banned books, mm -hmm. banned books, any and book they that- just start. No, 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 they banned, the United Daughters of Confederacy yeah. banned books right after the Civil War. Right. So if you said anything negative about Confederate soldiers, if you said anything negative about the Klan, then those books couldn't be in Southern schools. Right. The idea of the lost cause that supports white people and mm -hmm. white supremacy and that the, there was Northern aggression, that's why Southern fought the Confederate War, it, all of that was taught through the USD, the, uh, the United Daughters of Confederacy's right. control over Southern schools. If you consider that, what then? And you see where we are right now, where you have Florida and other states banning books. We are about to face another generation that is completely ignorant to what really is I happening know I right said now. About that you're so right about that, but we are already ignorant from a sanitized history that That's we learned here. Come on, Christopher That's fact. Columbus was a hero and not a killer, right? Right. Right. The, the things that we've learned <laughs> yeah. in, in the country and that is now called woke because we decide to tell the truth. Right. right. It's amazing. Well, I mean, and, and the funny part is all you got to do is say, yeah, I'm woke. Like, if you think about what they're saying, the anti-woke mob. What, what, I want to be woke. Listen, exactly. Who wants to walk around sleep? You're going right. to bump into You're going to trip over stuff. Right. Right. But let's be honest. Like, this idea that you're telling people be anti-woke. Right. And we know what it is. You woke is the new N word. Right. You went from thug to woke. Let's. You're, you're literally saying you have to be anti-black right. to be a part of this. Let's think about the history of the word woke. It came from Marcus Garvey. Right. It came from black people saying stay woke to be aware of what white supremacy can and will do to you. Right. Or what it is doing to you. Mm -hmm. So they definitely want them their parties to be anti-woke. They say woke mob and sound like clowns. Right. We we, we your dog whistling to the wrong people. You're letting black people know that you're anti-black right. when you say anti-woke. You know, it is amazing. What, what gets me is that in this year, we still have to fight these issues. And I'm not talking about fighting this one. I'm talking about that we still have to go through the psychological yes. impacts of, of this kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, to close this stuff out, brother, mm -hmm. give us give, give the audience a closer. I mean, I think they've gotten a good education yeah. right now. Give us a closer. Uh, I would say, I would say to your audience, to you, to anybody that can hear me in earshot, to, to truly discount everything you've learned about electoral politics and also the status quo. The status quo has failed us, continue to fail us, and it's because we allow it. There's no such thing as political power. That's perceived power. There's a lot.
people power and we don't own that space. We need to take back the idea of people power and remind elected officials, and I am an elected official, remind elected officials that I work for you. And when you don't do your job, you get, you get fired. It's nothing revolutionary about electing somebody. What's, what's, what's revolutionary is unelecting an incumbent. So everybody should be dead set on unelecting incumbents that are not doing anything that benefits the least of us. Peace. Mondale Robinson, thank it's you always a pleasure for being on Politics Done Right. You keep up the good work because you. you know what? We need truth tellers, brother. Thank you, brother. You take care. All right, peace. peace. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, look, we only have... One minute for calls. So, MOD, I asked for the calls earlier. Come on in. You got 35 seconds. Talk to me. MOD. Oh, I guess you'll be on in a little, little bit. Anyway, folks, MOD, 30 seconds. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, go ahead. There, uh, there was a Confederate museum in Georgia. That was about 2015. And the students, uh, they were... Um, Anglo, they were trashing the statue in front and, and, and trashing the building. And there were some folks there, and they were trying to protect the statue. And guess what happened? What happened? Folks, those folks said that this is our history. Don't you know? Don't come over here and, and, and try to destroy it. And guess what? Those were the old black folks there that were you know generational slaves telling these white kids, don't trash our history. It got political and then got on the news. And so basically the funding for the, the museum, Confederate Museum, was discontinued and it shut down. But if you really want to look who controls the narrative, just, you know, see who's the most oppressive. And, and there's being used books of ways, it looks like. All right. I got I, I got to go now. I, I, you got your piece in MOD. Thank you so kindly for calling. But we are out of time. Hard block here. Um We'll call me back tomorrow. I ask everybody to call on time so that we can get all your voices in. Anyway, folks, thank you so kindly for being here today. I want to thank Howard for doing double duty in the studio. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.